0: Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas. And if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of the Daily Bible Podcast. Finally, Tuesday. Tuesday, you're finally here Tuesday.
1: I love yeah. Tuesdays. I Told you about that. I love Tuesdays. Do you feel good about Tuesdays? Do you really? I do. Do I, you? I really do? Yeah. Tuesday. Yeah.
0: I, I'm usually well rested.
1: Yeah. And I feel ready
0: for the week. There we go. Hey, you know what we're ready for? Isaiah seven, eight, and nine. Okay, if you say so. We're gonna jump straight into it. Give us some encouragement, man. Isaiah. Isaiah's hard because you
1: have to You read through it, and I guess it's good. Sometimes you, you just kind of you read it just to kind of get the gist of it. But there's a million things in Isaiah that could slow you down. Help us out.
0: Yeah, well, we're starting out with Ahaz, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah. And uh, there's other other guys on the the scene. Resin, the king of Syria, he'll he'll factor in a little bit later. Syria, Damascus, yeah. Aram. There's there's three different ways to talk about that. Multiple names, multiple names. But verse two, when the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, Ephraim being Israel, uh, the northern kingdoms, the heart of Ahaz, the heart of his people, shook as the trees of the forest before the wind. So Isaiah is going to the king saying, Hey, look, you don't need to be afraid. Like you can you can trust in the Lord. There's good things coming. Trust in God, and that's kind of the message that he's delivering here, do not fear. In fact, that's what he says in verses four, well, verse four specifically there. Do not fear, don't let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. That's funny, I like that terminology. (laughs) going to start using that one? (laughs) There we go. You smoldering stump Uh, of a firebrand. Yeah, the 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 fierce anger of resin of in Syria and the son of Remaliah. Don't fear the nations. Trust in Yahweh. That's that's what he's calling. It shall not stand. Verse seven. The head of Syria is Damascus, so forth and so on. Look, you know what? Ahaz, don't fret. Don't fear. Trust in the Lord. And then he says in verse ten, he offers Ahaz. He says, "Hey, ask a sign of God." Hey, man. It is true. There is biblical precedent to the idea that we should not put the Lord, our God, to the test. But when is, the Lord tells you to put me to the test, you put it to him the to test. the test, man. Exactly. Come on. Exactly. So it's like has his posturing here with this false sense of humility, but he's really disobeying God. Yes, he is. And the result is, hey, you know what? Therefore, verse 14, the Lord will still give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. You shall name, call his name Emmanuel, right? Mm. God with us. Now, you're thinking the, the Christmas story, Jesus, and that's right, and that's appropriate because He is the ultimate fulfillment of this. But there's going to be a, an interlude, oh. and and Ahas is led to think that this is going to happen sooner. And in fact, there there's a degree to which some even believe that that Isaiah's own son is the 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 immediate fulfillment of this. I would be one of those people. Yeah, and. Yet, this is, is not going to be the case. This is a shadow of the fulfillment. This partial is a, fulfillment. a partial yeah. I- idea. But the ultimate fulfillment is going to come far down the road. And I think the reason why it's not going to be fulfilled now is because of Ahaz's doubt and distrust in the Lord and his refusal to obey the oh, Lord to put him to the test to say, hey, okay, give me the sign. What is it? I'll trust you completely. God's put is signaling here. Hey, I'm bringing an end to the Davidic dynasty for now until the offspring of, of the, the virgin is going to come to ultimately be the one that will provide the deliverance that Israel is really going to need long-term.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I've, I've always, well, not always, recently have come to understand this as having a double fulfillment. Yeah. First fulfillment in Isaiah's son, who, his his name, ready for this? Bring it. Meher Shalal Hashbaz. Hashkash begash. Hashbash Um And the reason why I think that it's a first fulfillment is because there's a similar terminology or similar verbs that are used. In verse uh, chapter eight, verse three. So yep. I, I kind of see it as a as a partial because the whole idea here is he he wants to give uh, give a has a sign to affirm him. Look, I've got your back. I'm going to take care of you. Ask me for a sign. Oh, won't ask me for a sign. Let me give you a sign anyway. Right. So I, I see this as God saying, "Let me give you the first taste of this. It's the Costco sampler. You're going to get the whole thing at a later time."
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that gets into verse uh, chapter eight, but really quick back in chapter seven, look at verse 18 in that day, the Lord will whistle for the fly that is at the end of the streams in Egypt. Egypt was known for its flies, had a heavy fly population and the plague for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. And so the, these, these two nations were going to be used in judgment against Israel by the Lord. Um, in and, and so again there's this interlude judgment is coming and the ultimate fulfillment of this will be in the future but i, I would agree with you there's a partial fulfillment here in the birth of ashkosh Bagash.
1: <laughs> well this is this is interesting i think this is the first time isaiah mentions assyria If yep. i'm not mistaken so far so uh, isaiah talks about and Assy- remember this okay so the northern kingdom uh made up of the 10 tribes of the north goes down um by Assyria's hand in the year 722 BC. So remember, the southern kingdom goes down by the hand of Babylon in 586 BC, which by the way, Babylon also conquers Assyria. So Assyria conquers Israel and Syria, not to be confused with Assyria. Assyria conquers Israel and Syria. Babylon conquers Assyria and the southern kingdom of Judah. That's at 586. Remember, time counts backwards. So 722, Israel, 586, Judah. Don't forget those things you're learning about assyria right now in chapter seven and the leg bones connected to the
0: hip, hip bone, bone the hip bones yep yeah yeah sometimes it can feel like that I'm hey sure chapter eight kind of lays out the conquest then of what's coming um he calls his wife the prophetess and uh interesting is in, that's where it is it his wife that he's talking about but it seems the most likely given yeah. that my hair shall ash is uh yeah and prophetess bro <laughs> well and so here's here's a take that i i found interesting because of the significance of the names of his sons, that God was speaking through the children she was bearing. And so in that sense, she is a prophetess. prophetess she's, okay. she's bearing the word of the oh, Lord oh, man, through the names term. of the, the sons. Uh,
1: I, I don't know. That's an interesting take, though. I do think there's, there's something to that. But man, yeah.
0: that's, a, that's a big word. Yeah. Verse 10, it says, take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand for God is with us. Okay? Emmanuel means... God, with, God us. with us. That's right. And so there, there's a reminder that Emmanuel will be the ruler of nations and will deliver Israel eventually. That is this it, a little inclusio? Little bit, little one, okay. tiny. We baby inclusio. Small bookshelves. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, then in the next section there, we get a, another glimpse of, of the remnant here. The Lord God spoke thus to me, saying, uh, with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of the people, saying, do not call it conspiracy. So he's he's giving instruction, saying, hey, look, make sure that you're you're careful not to go with the populace here. The Lord of hosts, mm-hmm. him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. Interesting terminology there. The, the dread? Yeah. Let side him of be things. your dread. Yeah
1: your fear. I fear again. Yeah, we've heard that one before, but Isaiah adds a different flavor to it when he says, let him be your dread. Yeah. There's something in- interesting about that. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think it's because of what the, the, the judgment side of things, because if he's not, then the, the judgment that follows, and that's what Motir put it this way. He said, God is either your sanctuary or your snare mm, that, Yeah, that's good that the son will either be the refuge or he'll be the stone of stumbling That's good that point. he talks like about that. there in that, uh, in that section
1: I like that so much.
0: Yeah. Instead, instead, Uh, we see that the the call is that Israel must seek God and seek his teaching, his testimony or face judgment. I I love the line there when he says to the teaching and to the testimony in verse 20. Yeah. yeah, I highlighted that too. That's what we need. We need to go to the word of God. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Amen to that. And you might notice if you're, if you're reading your Bible closely, verses 13 and 14 in chapter eight here, uh, they do have some new Testament references. And of course you're not going to be surprised. They're both
0: applied to Jesus, the Lord, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, the one who is God with us. Yep. Yep. All right, chapter nine. More Christmas in chapter nine. Chapter nine. Chapter nine, we get more of a glimpse of this Emmanuel. How
1: many days till Christmas, man?
0: Uh, a lot. I don't I don't know. Off time, of You gave us a hundred-day countdown yeah. not too hey, long ago. Alexa, how many days till Christmas? Christmas is in
1: 93
0: days. Not Ninety Ninety three days. days. Na- oh, that's enough. <laughs> 93 days. <laughs> 93 days right, until man. Christmas. So. No, that's not true. What? Why not? Because today's Tuesday, Pastor P.J., <laughs> So it's you're right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alexa's wrong. Let's just say she's wrong. We're okay. not wrong. Yeah, she's we're not wrong.
0: wrong. She's wrong. It's less than 93 days until Christmas. That's right. It is. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. Well, let's just throw it out there because I've I've had questions from people recently. They're like, man, do you guys have to get up really early in the morning to get these things recorded? Still, I thought I
1: thought it was kind of an open secret I got a, that we recorded a couple of questions recently. About okay.
0: It. Yeah. So Tuesdays we record two episodes. Thursdays we record two episodes. And Saturdays, like today, is a Saturday for us. We do three. We do three. Yeah. So, yeah. There so we go. try to
1: do a little bit of future
0: forecasting. Yeah. Not a whole lot. Right. A little bit. A little bit. And we have fun with it. Well, chapter nine is put in the past tense, but it is uh, it's it, because of its certainty. Um, we yeah. call that the prophetic perfect, by the way. Right. In case you're, want- prophetic, you're wondering. Prophetic, prophetic perfect. Perfect. Yep. So it's presented as. Past tense
1: because it's so certain. Yeah. To be in the future tense.
0: Yeah, and there's there's hope that's offered for the remnant here, uh, those that will be around. Uh, verse uh, two, the people who have walked in darkness. Remember uh, a, a couple chapters ago, the the end of that chapter was that that they were being plunged into darkness there. And here it's I think a callback there. The people who walked in that darkness, they've seen a great light now. The people who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. And the light is this child, verse six. The child that's born, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders. The authority shall shall rest upon him and then he has this name and the name shall be called and there's a, some descriptors here. Wonderful counselor. The, the word wonderful is close. Uh, the, one of the closest ways that we have of, of translating that in English might be supernatural. Mm-hmm. That there's a supernatural wisdom that this one possesses about him. You That's think cool. of the, the wisdom of Solomon. This is going to be a wisdom even more great than the wisdom of Solomon. Something greater than Solomon is here among you. Something greater than Solomon. Mighty God is pretty straightforward. That's a pretty big one so, he's divine and uh, and so this shows us by the way and this is going to be important in our study of the gospel of john that there should have been an expectation from the the israelites of a div- divine messiah they should have been looking for a messiah that was the son of god and we see that here we see that in psalm 2 we see that in other places as well and so this is a another text where we see that the fulfillment of the messianic prophecies would be god would be a, a divine messiah Mighty God, everlasting Father, this is a, a unique one, isn't it? But we have to understand that this is not a trinitarian title; that this is a, a rather a title of how He would relate to His people. He would be a Father in the sense of His concern and care and protection for His people, uh, for the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. And then He's the Prince of Peace; that His administration would be marked by peace; that He would bring peace. And this administration would increase and there would be no end and it would be unending. And this is the throne of David upon which he's sitting. This is the Davidic Messiah that's in view here.
1: And this is why we see, we have to see Jesus as more than a man, than a man for for texts like this. On top of that, the eternality of his position, he, he the increase of his government and of peace. There's not going to be any end of that. The only way that could possibly be the case is if he himself has no end. If he eternally exists as the righteous ruler that God installs, when we look at the Bible, we will look at it for all that it says and not only what we want it to say. We are not looking superficially is what I'm getting to. We look at passages like this. We put it together with who Jesus presents himself to be in the new Testament.
0: It's really hard not to see a divine Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from here, things return to the theme of judgment in uh, chapter 9. In uh, chapter 9 through 11, there, there's a lot of uh, rep- repetitive themes here that we've we've read to this point already. But here in chapter 9, uh, verses 8 and following, he's turning his attention to to the north, to Jacob, Israel, Ephraim, Samaria. This is referring to the, the northern tribes there, the, the tribes of Israel. And they had made this alliance with Aram, the, the king of Syria, with Rezin, the king of Aram, the king of Syria. There And uh, what that led to was them being drawn into this geopolitical conflict that led to their downfall. And so God is judging them for not trusting in him, but trusting in these foreign nations. And now they're drawn into that conflict and that leads to their ultimate conquering and exile there. But it's because of their stubbornness Verses 13 and following. they, They didn't turn to him. They didn't repent when he disciplined them, when he struck them. So what did he do? He cut them off head and tail, elder and prophet. He removed from them because of their sin in end of verse 17 for his anger has not turned away and his hand is stretched out still.
1: Yeah. One of the things that uh, I, I want to point to your attention is in verses uh, 10, 10, the bricks have fallen, but we will build and with, we will build dress stones. In other words, uh, let me just read the next part here. The sycamores have been cut down, but we're going to put cedars in their place. So Israel's problem is that they have a strong self-reliance and they yep. think that, hey, we got it figured out. Yeah, we might be attacked. We might have some issues, but it's just a brick wall. We're going to establish it and reestablish it with even stronger stones. And we're going to have even stronger wood as a result of this, uh, this conflict. That's not the case because verse 11, the Lord is the one who's raising the adversaries against him. And he's the one, God is the one who's stirring up their enemies. That's a battle you are not going to win. Here's the lesson for you, Christians. Our job is not to put trust in our own houses, our own accomplishments, our own works. I mean, this kind of relates to what we've been talking about in the New Testament. Don't put your hope in you. Don't put your hope in the obedience that you've even rendered
0: to the Lord. Put your hope only in the Lord. Yeah. And it, just remember too, that this is being delivered to Judah. And so this is an object lesson for them to that. Yeah, Judah is About delivering. Israel. Right. Exactly. Right. He's saying, Hey, look, remember what happened to them and don't follow in their footsteps. It's still an, an extension of God's grace to the people of Israel to say, Hey, or to the people of Judah to say, Hey, look, remember what happened in the North. Don't let that happen to you. Right. Hey, pop quiz audience listener at uh, what year and what year
1: did Israel fall to Assyria?
0: Do 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 do. To
1: give do, your answer do, yet? Okay. Do, the year seven twenty two. You got 22? it, give yourself a gold star. Seven
0: two two. What do you what do you wear? Uh, <laughs> a size seven one. Now? Galatians Galatians <laughs> four Galatians four. Hey, we're a little ahead of schedule. I told you. I told you. We're trying. I told him All before right. we started this podcast. I was like, you know what? I think we're gonna go faster. Okay. Hopefully, as much good content. That's encouraging you and challenging you, but we're going to go a little bit faster. We'll see. Well, chapter four, um, verse four, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. I love this man. Yeah. My adoption is here. Yeah. The fullness of time. Again, we were under a guardian. The the law, remember, like we talked about yesterday, the law was our guardian. It was had imprisoned us. That word for guardian can sometimes mean tutor. And so the, the idea here, even in, in Greco-Roman society, I think is the child is raised up sometimes by the tutor and then ultimately steps into their full rights uh, later on as they are recognized fully as a son. And so I think here we have this idea here of the when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son so that we might be brought into that full reality. This also does bring up a
1: great point that, that this, this suggests that for grace to do its work, the law has to do its work first. Right. It has to be the one to lead us to that sense of insufficiency and inadequacy. In order for grace to be amazing. If you try to offer grace to a believer or an unbeliever who thinks that he's doing pretty good, he's going to say, well, I don't need grace. I'm a pretty great person. This is why way the master is so, uh, I mean, this is their, their thing. Ray comfort and his people will go and preach the the law
0: to the proud and grace to the humble. And I think Galatians four would support their methodology. I think so too. Yeah. It's interesting. He said born under the law, right? And that was necessary because the law had to be met. The demands of the law had to be met. right? Right. And so Jesus did that for us to redeem us. Um, it, we didn't hit on the verse, but last, uh, in, in yesterday's reading, he redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, um, after he had perfectly fulfilled it. Yeah. Um, so important there. Well, Paul's concerned because the Galatians want to go back. And so he's like, if this is true, if this is the good news, why do you want to go back? Why do you want to seek to be justified by that? Which condemned you? Why do you want to go back and try to, to earn your way? And he even says in verse 11, I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Uh, and, and he's, he's so compassionate towards them verse 18 it's always good to be made much of for a good purpose not only when i am present with you my little children for whom i am in the anguish of childbirth until christ is formed in you he loves them yep so as much as he's saying foolish galatians what are you doing the reason he's he's so put off by this is because of his love and his concerns for a man. What tenderness uh, as a pastor
1: for his yeah. people. I think that's a sign of a good pastor. Yeah. Cares enough to be confrontational where necessary, but it comes out of a place of love that, that tenderness, that affection my little children conveys is so sweet, so compelling. And it's funny too, because Paul as a man is like, I'm in the anguish of childbirth, which I think it's kind of bold as a, as a guy <laughs> you know, yeah. today, he'd get flamed on, on, on X slash Twitter saying you're not a man how dare you say something like this but it conveys i think but what kind of intensity paul felt for them i mean he has concern anxiety for the churches he, he isn't ch- and it's the sense of uh, anguish of child which i think i think and, and you tell me if, if you think differently pastor pj i think what he intends to convey by that is that he is i mean he is praying heartily for these people he mm-hmm. cares about them so much that it feels like
0: anguish in his soul for these people to be formed into the image of christ yeah i think we, go back to second corinthians 11 right as at the end of that chapter when he's talking about all of his sufferings he says beyond all these things there's the daily anxiety of me for all of the churches right i think this is a glimpse into that anxiety i i he's anxious in a good way that they would be more like jesus and uh and to see that in them and certainly prayer is a, a huge part of that well he also says right
1: be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication right with thanksgiving yep. make your request known to god so i yep. think I, th- I think those concepts are connected and i i, I hope I, I think that's where he's going with that
0: yeah after this, he gives uh, an example to help us understand this of the the two women, Hagar and Sarah. He interprets it allegorically. He does, and we need to be careful with allegorical interpretation that takes something and says, "Well, it's a, it really represents this, or it really was intended to mean this." We have to be careful about that. Um, but when the when the Bible here says this is an allegory, we're we're on safe ground to say, "Yeah, that's an allegory. <laughs> this is for sure allegory." Right. And the, the two women represent the two covenants. Right. You had Abraham who had the the son of the law through Hagar and the son of, of freedom through Sarah, the son of the promise through Sarah. And that's what, what Paul is saying here is the, the law is, is rejected. The law is set aside. The law is not where we're supposed to find our identity. The promise is where we're supposed to find our identity. And that is through the freedom of faith. We're sons of Abraham through faith, not through the law,
1: which I think also shows that not everyone from Abraham's loins are Abraham's kids. I think that's another part of his points, right? Yeah. He's trying to make it clear for us. It's not those who are of the physical descent of Abraham who are children of Abraham, right? It is those who are children of the promise and the promise in this case is the promise of the gospel, the fulfillments that is, is how do you reach all the nations? How are all the nations blessed by you? Well, through the seed of Abraham, through the offspring of Abraham, Jesus, the Christ. Yeah. So that's the child of the promise that we want to be aligned with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. And Paul makes that point in, uh, in Romans as well. When he says, not all Israel is true Israel. Um, well, hey, look at how much we, we don't have very much New Testament left, and we've got a lot of Old Testament. We're going to slow down the New Testament so much. We, it seems like that, right? This I mean, reading is is, is, a, is a difficult one. Yeah, it's. I've only got like thirty pages left in my New Testament. Yeah, that's going to be helpful because yeah. Isaiah is thick. It is. It's Jeremiah is no slouch. Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Ezekiel. <laughs> Dude. How are we going to do this? Zechariah's. Gotta, yeah. How are we going to
1: do? Whose idea
0: was this? I don't know. This is where you're like, we're not going to make it. We're not, not going to make, make it. it. Just give There's it not now. enough days. White flag. Even though it worked last year, it's not going to work this year. Not going to work this year. I don't. I don't know how we're going to do it. It will work. And you guys need to stick with us. In fact, join us again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. See you guys.